Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Talk Heathen. My name is Kenneth Leonard. With me today is Arden of Eden. Arden, how are you? Hey, I'm doing awesome today. How are you? I'm, you know what? I'm happy to be here. I, we're, we got some callers coming in. It's going to be an exciting show. Um, let me get through these announcements real fast so we can get to them. First of all, Talk Heathen is a product of the ACA, a 501c3 organization dedicated to the promotion of positive atheism and the separation of religion and government. If you'd like to support Talk Heathen in the ACA, you can become a member by clicking the join button below the video here. Uh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash talkheathen to me. We also have a channel now where you can get all of the shows that the ACA produces, but uh, in audio podcast form. Visit tiny.cc slash AEN podcasts. You can become part of the Talk Heathen community in our fan run Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash talkheathenfg. Uh, if you want to continue talking to us after the show, come join us in ACD, our fan-run Discord server at tiny.cc slash ACA Discord. And uh, make sure to check out the newest version of the ACA show, The Nonprofits, which is going to be coming up right after us today uh, at youtube.com slash The Nonprofits ACA. Uh, we'd like to give a shout out to our top five patrons every week. This week, uh, our top five patrons are Eric Tweet, CJ Dennis, Dingleberry Jackson. That might be my favorite name, by the way, uh, <laughs> uh, Balaam's donkey, Paul Leah, and an honorary mention to, uh, the great North American Dingaloo, another all-time patron name with all that out of the way. Um, Arden, what have you been up to? Oh, you know, uh, we had our weekly episode of Transatlantic last night. Uh, yes. so, you know, bashing, uh, bigots as always. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I got to watch, uh, the hang up over on the line live at Matt's house with Jimmy Snow this last Wednesday. So that was fun getting to hang out with some people. Uh, but how about you? What's been up? I mean, you know, answering calls, talking to people, doing a little reading here and there. Um, I, uh, I'm excited about our first caller we've got in the queue. Um, we've got David from California. Are, are, are you ready to dive in, Arden? Let's go for it. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. David in California. 
what I'm seeing is uh, that you want to talk about about your man Jesus. What what's going on with Jesus today, David? Yeah, do you remember me from the other day? I think so. Did we talk? So, yeah, but I got cut off. Oh, on on. Are you there? I think we. Yeah, we we talked on atheist experience, right? A week ago. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, what can we help you with today? For more. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to talk about the omniscience of Jesus, but you guys kind of led me down another path that I didn't want to go down. All right. Little Red Riding Hood. Well, (laughs) we try not to be big bad wolves around here, but you know, there's only so much we can do. Um, If I remember correctly, let me know if I'm if I'm off here. You were saying that you look at the Bible as being evidence for the omniscience of Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I, yeah, so my, that's my perception of it. I just want to give some examples. Okay, go for it. Well, I know, see, well, maybe I have to uh, declare what I consider evidence first. I don't know. That, that could be helpful. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know that you say that the Bible is not evidence, but I don't know how you decide exactly what evidence is because there's pagan history, there's biblical history. Yeah. Well, let's let's think about it like this. Structures and so forth. So I don't want to refer too much back to the prior call because people who are listening or watching, you know, they don't have that in front of them. But if if we're just approaching the Bible and you're saying you look at the Bible and you see that it says certain things about Jesus, therefore Jesus is omnipotent. um, Would you apply the same standard to say omniscient? I'm sorry, omniscient. Forgive me. Um, To say reading about the attributes of, of Superman in the comics and say this, the comics say certain things about the attributes that Superman has. Therefore, Superman has those attributes. Does that, are, are we on the same page? Yeah. So if we're talking about what the Bible says and we're talking about what the comics say about these two different characters, um, now what? Well, I think, you know, I know the Superman story myself and that came about right about the time that we were developing the atomic bombs around world war ii and and we were discovering a lot of knowledge and and so they there's a lot of knowledge in the superman story that is actually true and we're actually kind of uh paralleling that today if you look at the superman story that's about where we are today in our progress well i don't want to get too sidetracked but I'm, i use superman as an example because you can find examples of superhuman figures all throughout literature all throughout history all throughout religions all around the world and all of these different books and comics and traditions say certain things about certain people. But I think the question is, why should we care? Well, I don't, the way I see the comics as you're developing in Marvel comics or whatever, those, those tend to deal with evolution theory and uh, making gods and so forth. And uh, I think that's kind of a pagan uh, formula, which has been repeated numerous times. So it, it's something that's true. I can't deny that those gods were real myself. So, but I can go into the evidence as far as what I think, why I think the Bible is evidence. I don't, I don't know why you're bringing up fictional stories, but those do uh, have uh, true science and knowledge within them. And they actually reflect sort of what the pagan ideology is today, uh, paralleling evolution theory and so, old age cosmology David, and stuff like that. Like, I think David, there's something going on here though. Like you're, we, we bring up this comparison to make a point and you're kind of like giving, I feel like you're biting the bullet maybe more than you actually want to because like yeah. when we're saying like, 
oh, like there's some truth to Superman comics. Like I would agree with you. If you were to say there's some truth to be found in the story of Jesus, you probably could find an example that I would agree with you on. But I think that's not actually your claim. Your claim isn't that when you read the Bible, the story of Jesus, there might be something valuable there or even a aspect of truth that you could apply to your life. Your claim is that Jesus exists and is the son of God, right? So that that's a very different claim from like, when I read Superman, I'm thinking about like how the, the development of the atomic bomb and like the amazing things that science and like human ingenuity can lead to. So like, can we get yeah, a little a, deeper? It's the Superman. Yeah, the Superman story is true to a degree and that's the pattern that you want to follow. So well, <laughs> it's not, that's what you deem is true. That's the Superman model is what you deem is true. But I don't think I'm Superman is Bible actually is real. True. Yeah, I, I don't think that Jesus actually Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, you do. You do think Superman is real. You think Superman is real because right now, because the Superman story, wait, the Superman story follows the pattern of modern man's idea of space exploration conquering the cosmos in the name of uh Carell or whatever his name is i don't know it also has x-ray and, uh, vision and the ability to fly into the sun yeah and there are specific claims about superman superman works in a city called metropolis for a newspaper um we can we can look at the claims yeah, but, that superman comics make and know that superman is not a real person yeah but according to you guys the evolution produces superman and that's that's what the Nazis thought. David, they were David, David how, do we, how do we go from, from Jesus, the Bible says Jesus is omniscient, to Superman is real, to evolution, to Nazis? What, okay, what, what is the point that you're trying to make with your call? What do you want to tell us about Jesus? Well, I'm trying to tell you why I think the Bible is evidence, but you're dragging me down another trail again, like little whoa, red. Whoa, whoa, okay. whoa, hold on. I, I we did not go down the trail of saying that Superman is real. You're the one who brought us there. It was just an example. Yeah, it was. So it's like, an analogy, my friend. But okay, I realize it's a fictional story, but it does comprise a lot of truth in it. So I don't deny all the past gods. That's something you do. I don't deny those. Well, okay. So if we're going to talk about Jesus, all right, and the evidence. For, for Jesus. Go, go ahead and, and make your case. Well, I was just going to say why I think the Bible is evidence in the first place, and then I was going to okay. give some examples why I thought Jesus was omniscient real quick. So the Bible okay. was written by the Jews, for the Jews, right? And, and it was written over, uh, you know, a few centuries, anyways, over several centuries. And so it goes all the way back 3,500 years, and the, the Jews... This is what their life revolved around. It totally revolved around the scriptures. They, they, they studied the scriptures daily. They copied the books all the time. They, uh, you know, lived their lives by it. And everything was governed by the law, everything from human rights to animal rights to, you know, their, their codes, their civil codes and their penal systems and, and even their, you know, their, uh, giving to, you know, so humanity. You're, or, you're, you know? Okay, you're, you've told us now that you've got a book that is very old and that was especially significant to a group of people. All right, what else? Well, yeah, I'm just trying to tell you why it's superior to pagan history because pagan history, uh, the key, it, it kind of revolved around the kings, the rulers, right, and the leadership. So they, in the pagan history, I mean, in the Bible, it says you cannot add to or take away from it, right? It does say that, yes. Okay, so that's a higher criteria than the pagan history because the pagan history doesn't say that they could they could embellish it, they could censor it, they could do whatever. Well, how they does want that in history? They could just totally yeah. eliminate it. 
David, you're not getting any closer to evidence here, my friend. Right. Yeah, well, that's why the Bible is superior as far as a historical document, because their their property rights revolved around it, their genealogy, they keep track. David, I got to ask you, so when you, when you use, out of. David, when you use a word like superior, there's a value judgment that's being made there. Superior in what respect? Well, I'm telling you, it's superior in its meticulous method of recording it. Because they had to keep track what is, of the records what, for property rights. What does any of this have to do with whether the Bible is evidence? Evidence of it what? It has to do whether it's historical. I said it's ha- it has to do with its, if, whether it's historically accurate or not, because they, they put more emphasis on recording it than the pagans did on any of their documents. It's far it, I don't, listen, far David, I don't, I don't give a shit what the pagans did. It, what the pagans did is irrelevant to whether or not the Bible is evidence. I don't care if the pagans kept yeah. meticulous records that's or not. Right, it doesn't it. matter. Okay, so do you understand the distinction well, that's between why, what evidence is I'm and sorry, what a... What do, you think, what do you think evidence is then? Glad you asked. Because that's my idea of evidence. It's a historical document that was meticulously copied and repeated and lived by it every single day of their lives. Great. Evidence is anything that can be used to demonstrate that a claim is true. Anything would fall within the umbrella of evidence. So the Bible cannot be evidence. Well, the Bible is the claim. The Bible is a series of claims no, about things that happened. History. The Bible is not history. No, it's history. It's not just a claim. So it's either true or it isn't true. It, you're you're on to something there. Okay. Yeah, right. So based on that, based on what I consider evidence, I think the Bible is superior to any modern scientific evidence because... Well, you- Evolution and climate change and old age scientific evidence of what though? Yeah, let's 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 think about about what you're saying here because let's just evaluate one claim and I'm I'm going to bring up a specific one because you've brought up evolution and cosmology and all this stuff. Um, The Bible says that there was a worldwide flood that killed everybody except for one family and a number of animals who were preserved in a big boat. Uh, do you think that that story of the the flood of Noah and the deluge and all that 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 is a historical account? Well, that's pretty obvious. It's historical. I mean, you can see the sedimentation all over the planet. You can see seashells on top of the entire surface of the the planet, including the the mountains. You can find fossils all encased in you know global sedimentation that would, could only happen by a global flood, not local floods. Okay, that's all caused by a global flood, sir. I have to ask. Um, ask me if I believe it. Yeah, I believe every every bit of it. Okay. So I um, some examples of why I thought Jesus was omniscient, and I consider the Bible the higher evidence than even your modern science. Okay. Well, here's the difference between the Bible and science. Okay. Science uh, is is subject to rigorous testing for 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 scientific claims to gain any traction in the scientific and academic communities. Um, there's this entire process that a claim has to go through where a claim has to be verified by evidence. Um, not so with claims in the Bible. Um, I don't know who has told you uh, what, what you just relayed to us about what the evidence indicates about a global flood. But if you're under the impression that there is evidence in support of the flood narrative in Genesis, then you've been lied to. Wait a minute, Kenneth. Okay, this is the Kenneth speaking to you now. Uh the global flood or whatever the Bible, science makes claims, right? They make claims too. They got eyewitnesses and you say it has to be verified with evidence. Well, how many times have we seen science change over the years that 
People won Nobel Prizes. They did peer review papers. And then people came after them and disproved everything that they said. It, ha- it happens all the time. Isn't that great? That's how science works. No, it's not great. It changes all the time. It's not trustworthy. Are you afraid so, of change, David? <laughs> change is scary. The Bible does not. The Bible doesn't change. Okay, it stays the same. That's true. That, that's not. That's not a good thing. When 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 new when new information comes forward, the honest thing for any of us to do in light of new information is to change our perspectives. One of the greatest weaknesses in basing one's worldview on the Bible is that it doesn't change. No, but the new information that comes forward is constantly disproved. Well, let's let's disproven later when you say this david i I don't mean to insult you and i i want to give you a chance to talk about the omniscience of jesus but it's it's becoming more clear the more that you speak that you you don't understand science Uh, i don't know what your level of exposure has been but i would urge you to um maybe i'm sorry i have my own cosmology it's called the cosmology of david well the cosmology of david isn't worth jack shit in the in the scientific world if you can't prove your claims there are professionals out there who dedicate their lives to understanding the universe, and uh, you you may consider reading what they have to say about this stuff. You may, with, with regards to to flood geology, I mean, I, I would look at geology. I would look at biology. I would look at the the number of different scientific fields that all converge to to demonstrate conclusively that the flood story in Genesis is bullshit. There's there's no good reason to believe that it's it's a, a literal account of anything that ever happened. Well, Kenneth, I have studied all this. I'm 58 years old. I've gone through it. I've been there, done that. Okay, I'm not going to keep studying evolution when I know it's not true. Well, where have you studied? Where, where, where have you studied evolution? What would be an example of a source that you've looked at to, to gain an understanding of this? I'm sorry? My examples of, can I give my example of Jesus? Um, yeah, could, before you do, would you mind just telling me what your favorite source is for gaining an understanding of evolution? Uh, I, yeah, I've been learning evolution since I was in high school. What source? Yeah, where? Where have you been learning? Because you sound pretty confused about it. It changes all the time. It doesn't. Yeah, you've you've kind of usurped you've kind of usurped the Christian position. Now you've it's totally changed. You, no, you're, listen, nobody's usurped the Christian position. I'm just asking you where, where what is the best source? If you were going to direct someone here, if 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 I wanted to really understand the truth about evolution, where would I go to find it? It doesn't happen. So if you're going to find the truth about it, you have to go to the Christian scientists. Give me an example. Who's a who's a Christian scientist? Who's a, who's an authority here? I don't know. Morris, maybe. I don't. Yeah. Henry Morris. Those are people. Old people. Dwayne Gish. Henry Morris and Dwayne Gish. I used to study. I literally took classes with those men at the Institute for Creation Research in Santee, California, when I was a child. Yeah, I did too. I, I've learned all this stuff when I was young as a teenager. They're liars. Because it's not true. It's not true. They're, Henry Morris and Dwayne Gish are, are liars. Um, you, I would strongly urge you to look at what actual scientists have to say. Neither Henry Morris nor Dwayne Gish ever did any actual research. They didn't publish papers. Th- these are not scientists. These are not people who, who actually understand the science of evolution. They made a living off of misleading people and selling lies about evolution to evangelicals. I don't believe in evolution. I don't see it. I'm 50 years old. I don't see climate change. I don't see old age cosmology. I don't see evolution. Okay, I can I can give you my cosmology if you want, but if you let me just give my evidence on why Jesus is omniscient, I can. Well, let's yeah, let's go to Jesus because I think we're we're at a dead end on the cosmology stuff. But I would urge you to um, you know, you're getting you're getting bad information from bad sources with regard to your science. But let's talk about Jesus. I get 
No, I get all my information out of the Bible, okay? And then I pretty much judge everything by that. But I am a scientific person, okay? I got the highest grades of my class in astronomy, okay? I, nobody even came close to me in astronomy. I understand astronomy. Very simple, okay? That's great. Let me ask you one question about astronomy then, and I promise this will be the last rabbit trail. So do you understand that there are stars that are, are millions of light years away from, from Earth and we can see them? Yeah. How, how old do you think the Earth is? Almost 6,000 years. So how does light from a star that's millions of light years away get to a 6,000-year-old planet? Well, the light is backing up like a stream. You ever seen a stream hit a, uh, an obstacle in the stream and all of a sudden the water slows down? That's like your blue shift right there where the water slows down at the obstacle and then it moves slower after the obstacle. That's kind of like the way light is out in the, in the cosmos. It's, it's moving at an infinitely or you know, very rapid pace and then it slows yes. down and that's why the waves get bigger as it gets further out. Right, but what I'm asking you is how is it that if it takes, we know how long it takes the light to get here from something that's that far away. No, you know what it's like in your local galaxy you, you, or in your local solar system. You don't know what it's like beyond the local galaxies. Where'd you get that information? Because that doesn't, I don't remember that part of the Bible and I thought you got all your yeah. info from the Bible. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah, but this is in the Bible. Because the Bible says that the CMBR, or, or, you know, or the light was created on the days one through three, right? God created light before stars. Now science has proven. Yeah, light was created before the sun. That's right. Light came before the sun because the CMBR is light. And that was the visible light on days one to three. But yeah. you cannot say that the Bible is not accurate. Oh, boy. All right, David, I, we could spend all day on this, but let's hear about the omniscience of Jesus. We've got a, a, a book that says Jesus was om, omniscient. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, like, have you, you, you said you used to be Christian. Did you ever give a sermon? Uh, I, I, I did. Kind of, okay, he's back. Good. I did. I, I've, I've given sermons, yes. I've preached. Okay, so me too. I've given a few. So when you do your sermons, you normally, like, write notes, right? Yes. Jesus didn't have to do that. He didn't have to write notes, you know? How do you know that? He just gave a sermon. How do you know that? Don't read it in the Bible. He never said, hey, John, where was I there? You the know? Bible never says anything about Jesus' notes. I was talking about... <laughs> he didn't have any notes. He didn't... How do you know that? How do you know that? He was just, he just gave an impromptu sermon. And How do you know that? About what he was talking about, it, and it reflected the Old Testament perfectly. How do you know that? I read How it. do you know that Jesus didn't have notes? I read it in the Bible. Yeah. It doesn't say anything about Jesus's notes in the Bible, David. You're being dishonest. No, I know, but it does. There's nowhere where the apostles go, "Hey, Jesus, do you remember when you uh, cast the demons out of that one guy, Legion? Or do you remember when you fe fed the the five thousand? They never said that. Because how do you know? How do you know that the Gospels are an accurate reflex reflection of anything that any of these people said? Because I told you. Because, because what? It was superior to any other recording method in history. No, 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 no. Because they the Gospels, we don't have we don't have any sources that are are that come from the, the same time as the life of Jesus. You know this, right? The Gospels all come from decades later. It doesn't matter if people doesn't if if people do. It's obvious that people don't like the Jews. They're always trying to kill them off. OK, I didn't say anything about Jews. You, you talked about meticulous note keeping and meticulous record keeping. We don't have any Gospels that come from the same time as Jesus's ministry. We've got copies of copies of hearsay evidence about what Jesus and his disciples allegedly said. We don't have any first-person accounts. We, we got nothing in the way of evidence here. First-person accounts. Those are all first-person accounts. How do you know that? So, I mean, the Romans, 
the Romans had an empire to record and and uh, store their information, and they don't have a very good record of their empire. David, I'm not talking about Roman records. I'm talking about the Gospels. You just said they're first-person accounts. How do you know that? Roman records. The Roman records were not that good. And David, I don't give a shit about the Roman records. Back up everything. I don't care about Roman records. You're talking about the Gospels. How do we know the Gospels are first-person accounts? Because. Oh, because. All right. I mean, you know, because. Come on, man. This is this is not honest. Yes, it is. No, it's not. It's history. No, it's not. It's history, and you can't. How do you know it's history? Because you don't have any better evidence. You tell it in your. Oh, okay. So we just have a big old argument from ignorance type of fallacy going on. What? Okay. So you're making the claim. The burden of proof is on you to demonstrate that your claim is true. You said the Gospels are first-person accounts. Prove it. Yeah, but no, but you can't come up with any better form of evidence. You tell me science, and that's something I can... The burden of proof isn't on me. You're talking about... You said we're, we're dealing with one claim. The Gospels are first-person accounts. Prove it. Science is not trustworthy. What? We're not talking about science. You said the Gospels are first-person accounts. Prove it. Established history is far more superior than something that changes all the time. David, if you're not going to answer, if you're not going to answer the question, we're just going to move on because you're wasting everybody's time by being dishonest. Yeah. I, and I, and I, it's a shame. Got my point across. So Jesus is omniscient because he doesn't have to say, do you remember when? And he didn't have to take notes. We don't know Jesus said any of that stuff. We don't know that the gospels are accurate accounts of anything that Jesus said or did. Yeah, I do. How? Well, I've got a lot of verification through personal experience. You may not think personal experience is good, What's your what's your personal verification that the Gospels are reliable? We can't even establish that they're first-person accounts. Well, I've got personal experience with God personally. That's the thing, that God has spoken to me personally, and he's done things that I've asked him to do, and specifically, so, I mean, if somebody stomped on your head, you would probably think that's sufficient evidence, even though you don't have it recorded by a peer review team, right? Well, that's my... You, you do not have anything in the way of evidence that is remotely in the same ballpark as someone stomping on your head? Yes, I do. Give me your very best one. What's your very best evidence, your very best experience that proves that the gospels are reliable? What do you got? Well, I'm just telling you, when I became, when I was 18, I first came to Christ. I, is this your, hang on, hang on, before you keep going, is this your best? Are you giving us your very best example? This is my personal best example. Okay, okay, cool. All right, let's hear it you scientific evidence because we've already proven that scientific evidence is not trustworthy. We haven't proven that at all. That's, that's horseshit. We haven't proven that at all. So I, I really, it's really frustrating how dishonest you're being, but, but give me your very best example. And who knows, maybe, maybe we're all about to have a come to Jesus moment. Well, I'm just telling you what happened to me. I, I didn't, Let's hear it. God, and then I just, and all of a sudden, you know, I started hearing about Jesus, but I didn't know anything about God until I was 18. I didn't know anything about God or science or or philosophy or any of that stuff. So I was like a blank slate. So God started okay. me because people started saying things to me. But I, when I called out to God, I said, God, help me, because I was ready to commit suicide. Okay. My brother committed suicide. And when I said that, I didn't even have the words out of my mouth. The phone was ringing, and my dad's on the phone, and, and he's saying, son, I want to help you get your life together. Okay? That's pretty okay. good evidence for me. So you evidence. have no knowledge of God, and you prayed? It's How not. does that work? That doesn't make any sense to me. I didn't, even, I didn't even get it out of my mouth. It was he was answering the prayer. He already had my dad down at the Toyota dealer getting the car and placing the call before I could even voice the prayer. So, if somebody if somebody told you that they if some, yeah if somebody told you that they called out to Allah and then 
the the thing that they were praying for, that there was a, a, a favorable outcome in their life, would you accept that as proof of the Quran? Yeah, because I think that Allah is Satan. And so yeah, he's going to respond to their prayer. Oh, boy. So Satan does good things? Oh, oh boy, David. Man. I, I, listen, I talk to people with personal experiences all over the map. There are, there are plenty of explanations for why your dad could be calling you at that moment that have nothing to do with divine intervention. Okay. Parents call their kids. That's a thing that happens to, to jump from, I got a call from my dad while I was praying to therefore the gospels are reliable. That's, that's nonsense, my friend. Yeah. But see, you want to reduce it. You want to raise, this is how you want to do it. You want to raise knowledge of God to a Gnostic position where it, say, it says that the, the person with the most intelligence who knows the most is most like no. know about a God through science. No, where, no, I don't. That's not my position at all, David. Says anybody can know me. God is more equal because God establishes equality by saying that anybody can know me by faith. Okay, and you can make all the claims you want about about the nature of God, but if we're talking about knowledge, if we're so with knowledge, I'm talking about a justified true belief. Okay, I want evidence for the things that I believe to be true. Uh, you 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 may have heard other hosts on this platform say this. I want to believe as many true things and as few false things as possible. And the way to do that is to have high evidentiary standards. Is to be skeptical and to be honest, frankly, about what you're experiencing. Standard though. By your standard, nobody gets to heaven because apparently nobody can hit your standard. I don't know what it is. It's apparently impossible. Impossible for, for what? I believe lots of things, my friend. Under Listen, your, under your David. Principle, everybody goes to hell because nobody is ever going to know God through science. Uh, David, this is, this, is, this is a silly thing. Um, we're going to move on to other callers, but I, I appreciate you calling in, and I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Um, but yeah, we were at the, at, the, at, the <laughs> at the tail end of that one. Uh, Arden, thoughts? I mean, I just, I think he reminded me of my favorite Bible verse uh, where, it's, uh, you know, the disciples wanted to give God the holy notepad and pen. And he said, no, right. for right. I, I don't need notes. That was, that was a good one. So, yeah. 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 Um, I, uh, I'm thinking we're, I'm going to move on to, uh, to, to Justin in Canada. Um, Justin has questions about marriage ceremonies as an atheist. Uh, Justin, how can we help you? Hey, so um, I'm an atheist and have been since, oh, about grade seven here, and um, I've been uh, dating uh, my boyfriend since about grade nine, and, uh, well, I'm an atheist, but I have religious family, so um, I'm not sure how I would go about doing a ceremony without maybe upsetting some of them or, you know, anything like that. Wow, I, I mean, oh, sorry. Hold on, uh, I've got my thing. And Justin, I um, I, this is your day. If you care about marriage and you care about having a special ceremony, there is absolutely no tradition you have to follow, and there is absolutely no one you have to please. If your parents love you and support you, they're going to be there. They're going to be ecstatic. And if it's not the ceremony they want, like maybe they'll be a little upset about it. But I'm willing to bet that they'll get over it. Um, I don't think you should be considering anyone else but what you and your partner want on your wedding day. Um, I understand wanting to well, appease, but oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I'm someone who's like entirely indifferent to like having a religious person do the thing because I figure you get someone who's doing it non-religiously, they're probably religious anyway, you know? Because mm -hmm. 
that's the bulk of the population, at least here in Canada. So I figure it's going to be someone who's religious anyway. Why not let them say something from a fictional book? You know, that's kind of my thinking about it. But my boyfriend, he's a bit more opposed to the stuff because he thinks it's bunk. And I, I, I agree. But, you know. Like if again, I think it's really important to to have the ceremony how you want it. If you want to have a part that is like an ode to like your upbringing or like a shout out to your family, and you and your partner agree on what will work for the two of you, that's awesome. Do it. Like, but I, I don't think any part of the day should be about like appeasing people and, and like including something that doesn't matter to you or that you don't believe in. This day is a celebration of you and your partner and your love. And that's that's what matters above any other aspect of tradition that you can include in that ceremony. Yeah, totally. I was kind of waiting to hear, you know, what the, the particular religious flavor was of your, your family. I mean, because I... I out myself. I'm getting married in October. And this was a thing that, that my fiance and I, you know, thought about and talked about because we wanted our day to be as inclusive to the, as many people as we could. But I had a hard line of like, I don't want any religious, nothing at all in, in the ceremony. Um, and took that position of being like, it is our day. Exactly like what Arden was saying. Um, so yeah, I, Again, it's it's a deeply personal decision, but you're, yeah, you're under no obligation to do anything for anybody here. Uh, I mean, it's it is it is all about what you and your partner want to do. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, as for denomination, uh, generally Protestant. My mom leans a little bit more towards Pentecostal. My dad is a deist, hmm. and that's confusing, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, and my grandparents, I'm not sure about, uh, though I know my great-grandfather is an atheist and has been since he was about 20, So, and, and he was born in the 40s, so that gives you an idea of how long he's been an atheist. Sure. So, uh, I mean, I guess what I'm wondering is, I mean, are you concerned about being able to find an efficient? Are you concerned about venue? I mean, there's lots of places other than churches where you can get married. I mean, there are plenty of secular and humanist efficients out there. Um, so there, I mean, there are, you have options. Yeah, I, I, uh, I guess that's fair enough. I was just, uh, just maybe a little bit more worried than I should have been. <laughs> well, I we don't know your very, family. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. I think it's a very natural thing to be concerned about your family and their expectations for you and wanting to make them comfortable at a day that's important to you to maybe like avoid conflict or something. So the day can be really centered on like your love. Um, but like, I think with a lot of these things, uh, people really do get over it and people will learn to be okay. And I think if you just say like, Hey, I love you guys. I want you here and I want you to celebrate, but understand that like, I don't believe what you believe. And this day is about our love and our ceremony. Like, I don't know if you have any siblings or relatives, but like, I'm sure there will be plenty of opportunities for them to go to weddings where God is spoken about. Yeah. If this is the yeah. one where God yeah. isn't brought up. I think that's okay. Uh, see, see, there's the rub because they don't know I'm an atheist. Well, I mean, there's plenty of ways to have essentially just a, a neutral wedding where there's just no reference to religion whatsoever. And I, you know, I, I wonder how many people would even notice, you know, if it's just all about love and togetherness and family and, and, and sort of human values that, that don't require any reference to a God whatsoever. Um, I mean, there's, if, if you're concerned about offending people, um, I mean, there's a way to do it subtly. An atheist wedding doesn't necessarily mean you've got like, you know, some 
Bible burning banner that's like, fuck God. Yeah, like it doesn't have to be some aggressive thing. It can, <laughs> it can just be a day about you and your partner. That's that's uh, fair enough. I uh, I just I guess I haven't seen stuff like that before. Uh, thanks for the help. If I'm uh, ever up by where you guys are, I'll have to stop by and bring you guys a bottle of maple syrup or something. Heck yeah, man! <laughs> Please do. Best of luck moving forward right. with that with that wedding. Yeah, congratulations. All right. Well, you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Bye, Dustin. You as well. Bye. Well, that's like a happy call. We have like a I happy know. Romantic so call. This is nice. All right. Uh, we've got one more atheist caller that I'd like to talk to. We got Chris. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chris down in down in Georgia who wanted to talk about uh, talking to religious family members that do not like atheists. Chris, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, want to give a little bit of background, but I will try to cut it down to as simple as possible, not to take up too much time. But um, about two, three years ago, I moved to Georgia um, away from where I typically live with my family. And at some point, um, I got into a call with my brother and he was talking about something that I was like manipulating my sister. And I wasn't really sure what he meant by that. And he started talking about like reading the Bible and stuff. And the only thing that I could, I, the only thing I thought it could be is that we had had a conversation, me and my sister, uh, like a week or so before about meaning and like if, uh, you know, events all have inherent meaning to them or if something they're just meaningless. And I think having that discussion maybe made her suspect that I didn't believe in God. Um, since then, I haven't really heard <clears throat> much from them at all. They've kind of been just like ignoring my texts and calls. Uh, I have visited once or twice, and they act kind of cordial while I'm there, uh, and maybe will see me once or twice, but they don't really broach the subject, um, and there's times where I feel like maybe they're saying stuff about me behind my back. Um, there's another family friend of mine who I just learned also is uh, incommunicado with her family, um, and when I talked to her, she said that it was more that she was because she was bisexual and her parents didn't like that, but also she was moving away from Christianity as well. And I heard from some people that they were calling her a liar behind her back. And so it's just a very strange situation where I feel like maybe they think that I'm an atheist or something, but they don't want to talk to me about it. And they're also deeply, deeply entrenched in their uh, specific religion. Like, I believe that they think the world's going to end soon, you know, that, that kind of like they're they're preparing for the rapture stuff like that so i just wanted to call and maybe get another person's take on it and what you think i should do i've so far just kind of left the door open for conversation and i haven't really tried to make a big deal out of it uh, i've asked them to kind of hey i'd love to communicate more if you guys could reach out more and i haven't really heard from them i know it's kind of difficult to give advice about talking to someone who refuses to talk to you but uh, I don't know. Maybe just getting a fresh pair of eyes on it would be helpful. I think the key question is, what do you want to happen? What's your What's your goal? Because without knowing that, I, I don't know where to begin. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I would say that I was very, very. I thought that I was. We were very close growing up. Um, I really valued my relationship with them my entire life, and I, you know, always saw us kind of sticking together um, as we got older and. So ideally, in an ideal world, I would want some kind of relationship with them where I'm at least hearing from them every so often, you know, maybe 
some part of their life, even if indirectly or from afar, you know, them just kind of reaching out and telling me about what's going on with them. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, these last few years have made that me kind of question whether at this point I even want, you know, that relationship if they're going to be this way. But I think, yeah, I think there's still, you know, obviously a part of me that really loves them deeply and really cares about them deeply and, yeah, would prefer to be part of their life in some way. Yeah, I think I definitely get where you're coming from, Chris. Uh, you know, there. if you're interested, I don't know how familiar you are with like um, some communication styles that we'll use in like a lot of different like therapy modalities. Um, like one really common one in DBT is like, dear man. So like if you're struggling to communicate honestly how you feel with them, like, well, normally that's used for people who maybe have like a hard time regulating their emotions and might lash out at others. I think it's useful for anyone. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's literally a tool that like lists like steps to communicate as clearly as possible what you need in a situation. So I think it might be useful looking into things like that and being like, hey, like I I want to like and come at them honestly. Be like, hey, I feel like maybe we haven't been able to communicate as effectively. It sounds like you maybe have already kind of done this, um, but just kind of like I think we haven't been able to communicate as effectively as we maybe I would like. And uh, I feel like maybe that has something to do with my beliefs, um, but I would like to have a better relationship with you. And I would like to maybe get through this conversation. That way we can have more honest, like back and forth with each other. Um, and so I can know how you're feeling. I, I think we often avoid talking about conflict and emotions because we're afraid of like how that'll go. Um, but I think sometimes, even if it's bumpy and difficult for that conversation, I think kind of plowing through with the brutal honesty of what you're feeling yeah. and what your needs are is going to be, give you the best results. Yeah. Yeah. What, what did you say that it was called again? Uh, dear me? Uh, no, dear man. Uh, each of those letters dear in that man. little phrase stands for like a part of the conversation tactic. Um, I think it's describe, explain, assert, and reinforce. Yeah. Um, which is just meant to communicate like factually what you need, communicate what your feelings are in like distinct from what they have done and then like what your needs are. And if they try to like dodge what your needs are or like subvert your boundaries, the reinforce is just being like, Hey, look, no, I understand, but I'm just communicating to you what I feel and what my needs are. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause once you, once you lay it all on the, on the table and you tell your family, this is who I am and this is what I would like to be the case for us. And I want to have a relationship with you guys and I love you guys, but I'm worried about X, Y, and Z being barriers to that. So how do we move forward toward these goals? Assuming we, we all want to be together as a family and be happy in, in this. Um, it puts the, it puts the ball in their court because you're, you're basically doing everything that you can do to be honest, to be true to yourself, to express yourself to your family. Um, and yeah, from there, hopefully they reciprocate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's a good point because I, I definitely feel like maybe I haven't been as uh, forthcoming just because I was afraid something like this would happen. So I don't think I've ever actually discussed with them that I'm not Christian. I think my, my parents are kind of aware that I'm not as religious. I like don't go to church or whatever. Um, but you know, I'm not sure what my siblings think. The reason that I haven't just because I have like a, older grandmother who's getting, you know, close to probably the end of her life. And she's like super devout. And I think it would like break her heart if she found out. So mm. uh, that's why I think why it was held me back from it. I was just kind of waiting to see if maybe I could avoid that. Um, but there might be a way to do it with them that 
I could tell them like, Hey, if it's possible, like let's not discuss this with grandma. Like, uh, this is just between us kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, if you articulate that to your parents and it's like, listen, I, I, I want to be clear with you guys, but I'm worried about grandma. I mean, what can they do but respect that? You know, and, and if they don't, then that's not really your problem. You're, you're right. just trying to be a decent human being. At that point, it's a violation of your boundaries. Yeah. And you have the right yeah. to say like, well, okay, if you're going to violate my boundaries, I don't really feel comfortable engaging or being fully honest with you about what I'm feeling. But I hope that we can still like have a relationship anyway, in some capacity. Um, I also, uh, this book is more focused on communication styles between women, but it's 2021 and gender roles don't mean anything. I, I would recommend looking into any book by Harriet Lerner. Uh, the Dance of Anger in particular is a really good one. Um, she's a uh, psychologist and like a lot of her research is based in like having like effective communication. She works with couples and families a lot to learn how to like bridge those gaps. Uh, that There's a lot of really valuable information that I think anyone can glean from those books on like how to be honest with the people in your life about what you're feeling and what your needs are. Um, and yeah, and look into those communication styles. I think that stuff can be really valuable. Yeah. What did you say the book was called again? Uh, the one in particular that I like the most is called The Dance of Anger by Harriet Lerner. Um, that's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, yeah, at this point, I'll kind of do anything because it's better than no communication at all. So definitely. I really appreciate uh, you guys' take on it. And yeah, that was really helpful. Awesome. awesome. Best yeah, of luck, well, Chris. Yeah, yeah, Chris. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Take care. Right. Ironically, uh, the Dance of Anger is also the name of the new metal collaboration that I'm doing with uh, Katie Montgomery. We're coming out with, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Dance of Anger. It's going to be what we call ourselves. So it's interesting. It's also good a book. one. Sounds right. Um, I'm put in one of those uh, metal band name logo generators. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Dance of Anger. Um, all right. Uh, looking at the looking at the calls that we've got, does anyone stand out to you, Arden, as being especially juicy? I don't have Colin Studio set oh, up. All right. Well, let's so just good. dive in with uh, with Joe here. I'm on. Um, You're steering the ship. Okay. All right. Uh, Joe in Virginia uh, says you have questions for me. What do you want to know? Hey, Kenneth, you remember me? I do, Joe. How's it going? <laughs> this is our third time. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I just I can ask them to both of you, but uh, you're you're a big MMA jujitsu guy, right? Used to be, yeah, a long time ago. You get your black belt? No, purple, which yeah. is the most fabulous of the belts. Yeah, purple's good enough. I mean, you can pretty you can kick people's butt with a purple belt. I'm a big jujitsu guy, so okay, all right. But, uh, okay, uh, yeah, I just wanted to you know I call you because I I kind of think you're one of the most reasonable guys to actually have a real conversation with, so. Oh, I hope I don't disappoint. Arden's here. Arden's even more reasonable than I am. So you're you're in luck today. Just, just depends uh, on what you're gonna say. Yeah, just an explosion of reason over here. Yeah, I don't I don't want anything to be combative or, or anything. I'm not really interested in arguing. So okay, just a uh, few questions. Okay, uh, what can we do for you? Do you think God exists or God does not exist? And how confident are you in whichever one you believe? Ooh, I like it. We, we've turned the interview format around onto the host. I love this. Okay. Um, I am not convinced that any gods exist. And based on the definitions that I've been given for various gods, my confidence level is at a zero that any of those gods exist. And I guess that's probably the same for you, Arden, right? Yeah. I mean, like, I, I might be like a 1% like the like a deistic, polytheistic kind of conception of, of like the universe god, this like 
that like makes sense but like i don't believe in it and at that point it seems so indistinguishable from a non-god that i'm like this has no value to me that's like saying like my water bottle is god like okay maybe but that doesn't mean anything so yeah and yeah, that yeah. doesn't make any sense to anybody i don't think people saying the universe is god makes any sense so okay uh, um so you think so kenneth you think it's more it's probably it's equivalent to santa claus right uh no, because I think that there's, you know, I, I, and I could, I mean, I'm kind of talking on my ass right now, but I, I'm pretty sure there's like a historical St. Nicholas, <laughs> whereas with God, yeah, I okay. think that, you know, where there's legends that, that are built into the Santa Claus thing. I think that as far as I can tell, every time I hear God invoked as an explanation for something or as a being that people can have a relationship with, it seems to, uh, to be sort of just this invented uh, fiction thing. Uh, yeah, I was just talking about Santa Claus. There's some guy in the North Pole, you know. Sure. We both we both know that that's pretty much zero percent. I would agree. Uh, all right. Do you think um, that you have any bias, and that maybe there are reasons people do not want God to exist, and maybe there are reasons people have their own personal bias, maybe that they don't want God to exist, and maybe some people have their personal bias they want God to exist. I would certainly agree that people have biases where they would want, you know, certain things to be true or not to be true. Um, my, and I bet Arden would have a lot more interesting stuff to say about the sort of mechanics of those biases than, than I can. But I, my, my bias, I, I try very, very hard to encourage my bias for wanting uh, strong evidence-based beliefs. I want to believe true yeah. things. So, um, and, and there's a number of ways out there to sort of become aware of cognitive traps, to become aware of, of biases, to, to, to try to mitigate the risk of things that are going to cloud you coming to true conclusions. So I'm very much biased towards learning as much as I can about those things so that I don't accept any nonsense or bullshit and the, the, the things that I believe I've got good reasons. Yeah, I mean, if, if the Christian God exists, and I'm going to hell for being me and being me literally hurts no one. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's a pretty strong bias I'm going to have to be like skeptical of whether this God exists. Cause that's to me, that sounds like bullshit. I'm not hurting anyone. I'm, I can't control who I am. If I'm going to go to hell for that, that's, that's pretty wild. So like, I think it, maybe it, it is a bias that like would cause me to be skeptical in the first place. But I think when you apply skepticism and like, good evidentiary standards and evaluate the claims like on an individual basis, you can kind of skirt the bias. Like, of course there are going to be gaps. And of course there's probably going to be times when people point out like, Hey, like you maybe rejected this claim with not good reason. And if that's the case, I hope that I can be intellectually honest and say, yeah, actually you're right. You know what? I'm going to take some time to evaluate this claim a little more deeply and hopefully uh, have a more evidence-based position on it. Yeah. And I'm super prone to irrationality. I'm super prone to having stupid biased beliefs. I think that I don't think there's a single human being on earth who isn't susceptible to to bias. No. So Okay. I mean there are parts of me, like I'm a theist and there's parts of me that doesn't want God to exist. So you know, even you know, I think it can go both ways that, that I think there's plenty of reasons to not my personal view of kind of this online atheist movement is nothing personal against you guys. But I think it's much more of a, uh, I think it's a lot of it has to do with kind of psychological and mental desires as much as it is intellectual. And that's not, I'm not talking about you specifically, but that's just how I see it. And well, you, 
Agreed. I mean, in light of the fact that you are just talking to us today, I can tell you that um, to me, the question of whether God exists or not, um, my want shouldn't come into it. It, it either right. is the case that God exists or it is not the case. And then based on what the evidence tells me, I need to you know, live accordingly. Because <laughs> yeah, if the, if the gods that people tell me exist are in fact real, then me saying, I don't want to believe that uh, could put me in a pretty shitty position uh, in light of, you know, claims about eternity and all that stuff. So I, I think that it, I, I don't think it's ever a, a good thing for us to delude ourselves or to, to, you know, allow ourselves to cave to motivated reasoning and, and base our beliefs on what we want to be the case. I think that's a good way to be wrong. And I don't want to be wrong. Yeah. All right. I, I understand. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you apply the same skepticism to your own atheist uh, beliefs? Uh, give me an example of an atheist belief. Okay, well, you don't have to believe this as an atheist, but generally, you know, people believe, you know, probably in abiogenesis or macroevolution, I would say probably, generally, not everybody. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen what the odds are, even maybe like a single protein coming from life, coming, coming from non-life. Yeah. Okay. Can, I give you, can I give you a quote? Sure. Give us a quote. Okay. The chance that higher life forms have emerged through evolutionary processes is comparable with the chance that a tornado sweeping through a junkyard. Don't say a 747. Don't oh, say a 747. My seventh grade science teacher told yep. me that. Oh, Jesus, Joe. Joe. No, no, Joe. That's terrible. You know, you know, that's not true. <laughs> you know who said it? I, I'm going to just throw, I don't know, Ken Ham. Who said that? Uh, Fred Hoyle, the father of uh, who coined big, uh, the Big Bang cosmology. So okay. He's, he's a pretty reputable scientist. Well, I mean, you know the term Big Bang was originally used as a pejorative, right? Uh, I don't know the, the history. I just know that. Well, guy, you can look that up. Uh, look, here's the, here's the deal. So it, it, that that statement would... would uh, there, okay, there's two layers here. One, you said he was a reputable source, and we need to talk about that. But first, the the idea that um that a, a, a tornado ripping through a junkyard would produce a 747 um it, that that is in any way analogous to evolution is uh is nonsense and it betrays a deep ignorance when it comes to what evolution is um so because there's no selection methods at play with the tornado there's there's nothing going on there where where you would arrive at starting from non-life life starting from non-life has nothing to do with evolution well, it has to start abiogenesis, right? That has nothing to do with evolution. Well, evolution has to start somewhere, right? Sure. So life eventually had to start from non-life. You know, there's a lot of people that don't believe that. There's a ton of Christians out there who think that God created life and then evolution got us to where we are today. What would you say to those people? What do you, what do you believe? I'm asking you. You're the guest. So because the evolution is a fact and the evidence for evolution is conclusive. So whether life was, is my, was... Are you talking about microevolution or macroevolution? Yes. Which macro? All of it. So macroevolution is a fact. Uh, all of it. All of evolution is a fact. No, I'm just talking... They're different things, right? Microevolution... No, they're not no. different things. They're not different things. The only difference is time. No, the only difference is time. I thought macroevolution was different from microevolution. It's not. It's the, the, these, these distinctions are used by creationists. Oh, Kenneth's cutting out. Right, so you're, you're sure. The confusion. 
There you go. Oh, is he back? Yeah, we go. I'm back. Yeah. Okay, I, I, okay. The thing I said, I'm having tech issues today. I'm sorry, That's folks. Okay. I uh, no these, these terms, micro and macro evolution. These are terms that are are have been popularized and they're used by creationists to confuse people. But there, there there's evolution. And there are a number of different methods of selection that operate within the broader theory of evolution and how we refer to, to you know, the, the, the process by which we arrived at, at diversity on, on this planet with respect to, to, to life and biology. OK, so um, whether life started by abiogenesis or, you know, Jesus is irrelevant to the fact that evolution happened and is happening. OK, well, if you say it's a fact, I mean, I don't really but I don't. I don't agree that macroevolution is a fact. I mean, you may say this, but <laughs> don't don't believe me. Don't believe me. Listen, Joe, do not believe me. I want you to assume that I am completely full of shit, and I want you to go to the nearest college and knock on a biology professor's door and say, "This asshole on the internet told me this thing," and then let that guy or or woman or whoever let that person explain it to you. But don't believe me. Test it. Who did you? How do you get that evidence that macroevolution is a fact? I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin. We can talk about genetics. We can talk about the fossil record. I mean, it's 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 everywhere. But but this is not really the forum for it. You you need to go go on go on the Talk Origins website. Go on Wikipedia. Don't believe me. Just just I'm telling you. I'm asking you. Apply the level of skepticism that you would to to anything, and and then go see what the scientific literature says. Go to your local museum. Go. I mean. Go digging. Do you think we evolved from a fish? A fish? Yeah. I I do not think we evolved from a fish. I don't think any scientist would tell you that that was the case either. <laughs> that's what Richard Dawkins voice. I don't think that's a an accurate or fair or honest assessment of what like, Professor if you go Dawkins voice. Far believes. back enough on the evolutionary like quote unquote tree, like are you going to find like organisms who primarily like were aquatic? Like sure, yeah, but absolutely. Does that mean that we came from fish? Like that's a a really loaded statement to like yeah. disagree or disagree to. Kenneth, you can look it up on the internet. Richard Dawkins says it. So don't call me dishonest for saying something. I've, actually I've read, I've read Dawkins books. I've even spent time with the man personally. And I, I'm 100% sure that nowhere in any of his literature, for, I mean, there, there might be one or two of his books that I haven't read. Uh, I, I don't recall ever seeing we uh, came from a fish ever anywhere. Like he, I've seen him say it. He said it on the internet. You can look it up. Why don't you go? Okay, oh, Joe, Joe, I'll humor you. Like, yes, yes. Like I said, if we go back far enough, there is fish in our evolutionary history, sure. But yeah, like I, I, when you say we came from fish, I'm getting the impression that you think when someone says that, that they mean like a fish had a baby and that baby was a human, like yeah. at some point in our history. And that's not what anyone is saying. No, I didn't, I didn't quite say that. I said, do you believe we evolved from fish? And Kenneth said, no, Richard Dawkins did not say that. I'm sorry. Right, because Kenneth can sniff out that you're, <laughs> you're trying to give us a very loaded yeah, statement Come when on. you say that. I don't think Kenneth is denying that there are fish in our evolutionary history. Yeah. All right, all right, that's fine. And we could know that by looking at our genetic makeup and looking at the genetic makeup of different, you know, aquatic creatures, you know, mammals and otherwise i mean we could we could look at this and and trace that history okay all right uh well he did say that but either way okay uh do you think an infinite regress of the events is possible uh i, I don't know sure maybe i don't know you, you think an infinite regress of, of temporal events is actually possible i i don't know like hypothetically or do you mean like 
like that it has literally happened like again you're you're serving these like loaded statements and it feels like you're trying to trap us and saying yeah like, these things and like and our understanding of time i mean time you know, breaks down and gets funny once we get closer and closer to the Big Bang, right? So, so I'm not even sure that the question even makes sense. But what's the point? And again, you're. I'm just saying that. I'm just asking questions, guys. I'm not trying to do anything personal. You know, I'm not. I'm not hating on you because you're atheist. I'm just trying to be skeptical. I just want to know your point. Like, I feel like you're trying to get to a point by asking us questions, and I feel like we're not getting anywhere. So, like, is there like a is there a deeper yeah. point to your call that you're trying to like? demonstrate that by answering these questions that we are like uh, uh like not being logical in our beliefs or like where are yeah. you going with this yeah what's the point uh, well, i'm sorry you don't like being questioned i'm you know if i no it's not that I no didn't nobody that said they didn't yeah nobody said they didn't like being questioned but this is a call-in show with limited time we've got other callers too so we're trying to be respectful to everybody so what's the point of the questions where's it going well uh if logically an infinite regression of events is impossible i mean i think that's it's pretty and i think you should show the same level of skepticism to even that even being possible okay we're not any closer to a point what's what's the point here joe all right uh i just don't think this is going anywhere but kenneth i agree joe Hello? you're killing me here man so wait a minute <laughs> so you're a, you're a theist right did we lose joe no ah, joe's gone man right when it could have gotten interesting well <sighs> hey I'm glad we could clear some stuff up. <laughs> like, I, cool. Like, I, again, if his whole point was to say that he thinks logical and like regressive events is impossible, like, okay, that's, uh, I mean, you think that if that's all you I, want to say, that's fine, I guess. And but. just, just to clear this up for Joe, I mean, Joe, I said, I don't know. And that's the deal with, with, with skeptics. Sometimes the best thing we can say is, I don't know, because if I want to proportion my beliefs to the evidence and I don't have strong evidence that, you know, or any evidence that an infinite regress is possible or impossible. And, and I don't know, you know, I don't even understand the question that you're trying to get at, you know, right. Then and saying, I don't know, is the, is the, the honest thing to do. I agree. And that's why I was also kind of like, you know, like hypothetically, can I imagine that an infinite regressive events is possible? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, but like, are we talking about in the real world? Do I actually think that's happened? That's a completely different question. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, anyway. All right. We got, okay. We got Kevin in New York. Let's talk to Kevin. Kevin uh, wants to make an argument. I understand. Kevin, what can we do for you? Oh, uh, Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I wanted to bring up the subject of the modal uh, ontological argument um, and uh, try to discuss that with you guys. Um, uh, well, from a, a theist perspective, um, you know, I think it follows that I would have bias, uh, against that argument, but please stop me if I'm wrong. Um, doesn't the modal ontological argument have to do with, uh, of all possible worlds, uh, sort of thing? Uh, a modal, modal logic would. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. Uh, um, it, it sort of leads into questions. Like, uh, if there's a God, then, um, sort of dwells into the imagination a little bit. If, if there's a God, then why, why is this this way and not that way? You know what I mean? Or I'm not, I'm not sure I'm following what, what, yeah, what's the sorry. specific question? Um, well, I, I kind of want to refute that argument because I mean, in my opinion, um, it kind of, uh, leads to a, a mental regression. You know what I mean? 
Because just well, for the sake of argument that you want to make a movie using things that nobody has ever seen before, uh, 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 make a movie that nobody's never seen using things that nobody has ever seen. Those things are impossible. And so it ends up with a mental regression that it follows logically that there are assignments to nature. Well, I, I'm not sure how we're getting here from the modal ontological argument. Would you mind just for the sake of our listeners giving a summary of what you're referring to when you talk about the modal ontological argument? Well, um, I've heard different scenarios brought up uh, yeah. with the modal ontological argument. You know what I mean? Um, sure. Usually stemming something from the imagination. Right. With, with, with the ontological argument, I mean, take this all the way back to, to Anselm, right? I mean, the, the idea is that if we're talking about beings that we can conceive of or the greatest possible yes. beings or maximally great beings, right? Um, but there's no reason to think that just because we can conceive of something or that something theoretically would be maximally great, that it would exist. I, I mean, that's kind of the, the big hang up that I've always had with that argument is that it smuggles in existence as a positive feature of something without ever really justifying that. Did you, you get what I'm saying? Uh, yes. And, and that's why we kind of have to, uh, in my opinion, expand our thinking on certain things, especially when it comes to uh, the fundamental things that we know about reality, such, uh, such as time, for example. Um, time, in my opinion, shows illusionary aspects. That's why we can live in a universe and on an earth where there are time zones or uh, we're only seeing the light that comes from the sun eight minutes ago, uh, the light that comes from the moon three seconds ago. And as we look out into the universe, we're looking into the past. You know what I mean? So, I do. So to get more to the point, that leads me to the conclusion that time isn't necessarily as we think it is and, and that um, time wouldn't exist without movement. What does this have to do with with uh, what does this have to do with theism or a, or a god, Kevin? It, it it has to do with a god because it leads me to think that there has to there had to have been a personal agent that uh, gets the the ball moving for for a lack of a better way to say it. Okay, so so when your conception of of God, then if I am understanding, you're going with sort of the prime mover thing. Is that is that where we're at? Yes. Yes. And it's in because of time? Well, uh, that's only one aspect of it, because I have also came to the conclusion that it seems like there'd be no time without movement, uh, the movement of heavenly bodies that we see out in the universe. But uh, not, to, not to stray from, to a different subject, but it, it may seem dull and boring at first, but of all the inventive or artistic creativity that's ever happened, ultimately regresses uh, to the uh, obscure, infinite mind, which we would call God. Well, I don't know how we would justify that. There's a limit. I, I think that, uh, I mean, it seems like, uh, I, I don't know why we would think the creativity isn't something that comes down to just the minds of of human beings or, or, you know, I, I'm not sure where this call is going, Kevin. I mean, I, I, I understand that people think that there needed to have been sort of this, this prime mover to get the, the show off the ground at the, at the beginning. Um, I understand there's a lot of mystery in the universe and a lot of things that we don't understand. Um, I don't understand though, where, where the leap is made to, there's a lot of stuff we don't understand. Therefore God. Well, um, 
I guess it kind of brings up something you said earlier on the show that we kind uh, for believers and non-believers, we constantly fall into the trap of things wanting things, uh, wanting things to be the way we want it to be. I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah. Bias is a bias is a problem. Yes. Yes. But when we constantly check ourselves and take a step back, we, in my opinion, realize that there are, there are assignments to the ways uh, to to the way things are in reality. What What would be an example? Um. Uh. Well, an example was like the the scenario I brought to you before. Say, just for the sake of argument, you're trying to make a movie. Uh, okay that nobody has ever seen using things that nobody has ever seen before. Okay. Possible. It's, it's always a regression to what, to, to what is, what always the, the things that have always been. Right. Know? So when we look at, Not when we look at the nature of, theory. of reality, when we look at the nature of reality and the, and the universe that we find ourselves in, um, I mean, there's sort of a, a set of things that, that exist, right. And those things that exist, seem to behave the way that they behave. Um, I don't know why we would need to assume that there's some cosmic filmmaker that made these things this way. That's just that's just adding an, an unnecessary entity as far as I can tell. Well, um, it's, it's interesting that you say that. Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of on a whim that I thought about this. Um, you know what I mean? But it just, just as I said, you know, it seems kind of contradictory to what we would perceive as reality that that when we look out into the universe, we're actually looking out into the past. And sure. when you delve into that and realize that, say, if you were to get into a spaceship and travel to that destination you're looking at, it would be 100% different than when you were looking at it. Sure. And that's the fact of our universe. And so there are kind of time bubbles that, that happen within our reality. And, and I think there's a personal aspect to all of this. I, I, I hear that you think that. I just don't understand why. Um, I, would, I would encourage you, just because we're running out of time, to maybe, maybe think about really clearly articulating the why or identifying some feature of reality that you see that, that you think really needs some sort of agency behind it for it to be the way that it is and call us back um, with, with, with the why, because I get that you believe that there, you know, has to be this agency, but I'm, I'm not sure we have time to dig into the why right now. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. With, um, uh, thanks for your questions as well. I'm definitely going to give it some more thought. Thank you. Hey, we're all just trying to give it more thought, man. Have a great rest of your weekend, Kevin. Thank you for calling in. Um, we got, we got another caller over here on the line. Um, oh, we lost one that I wanted to take. All right. Uh, let's see. We've got Moldred in New York oh, calling in. Hey, what's going on? Um, you want to talk about post-bereavement hallucinatory experiences. Oh, thank you for pr uh, pronouncing that because I was having trouble with the call screen, especially about hallucinas, whatever. Hey, I have the best words, uh, so... <laughs> You have the best words, yeah. But yeah. thank you for saying it so I don't have to. Okay, uh, anyway, um, uh, the, 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 that, expl that explains the uh, 
what I've uh, what I've seen sort of on the out of the corner of my eye or like in flashes. My both of my parents passed away, and my sister passed away two years ago, and uh, I've seen like glimpses of them since. And uh, that uh, that uh, PBHE uh, sort of explains that. But what I can't, what that, what I can't, what it doesn't seem to explain is uh, back in the uh, back last century, uh, I lived at I lived at two locations, and uh, one location uh, I saw something that was an apparition of the uh, of the person that built the uh, the place that I was in. And uh, a few years later, I was living in a house in Brooklyn, and I also saw the person who uh, built that house. Now, I had no personal connection with them. Uh, the closest I had was when uh, uh, the first the first apparition that I saw was the uh, late husband of the woman who ran this uh, youth hostel in the south of France that I was uh, that I was staying at, and. Uh, I was about to go into the uh, wine cellar or beer cellar that uh, that he built to get a uh, uh, cold beer, and I saw sort of uh, I saw this sort of apparition uh, blo- uh, sort of blo- blocking the door. It was a little bit vague, but uh, was I could it was definitely rec- it was definitely recognizable as a as a as a person. And uh, so I didn't go into the uh, wine beer cellar, and somebody uh, somebody came a little bit later and started to walk into the wine or beer cellar, and the uh, the ground underneath it was uh, built on a like concrete uh, platform. They uh, they stepped on the they stepped just before the doorway, and they fell through and they uh, injured themselves. So I don't know what that was about, and then the other. <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a minute! <laughs> You're saying, okay, wait. Okay, before you keep going, there's so much on the table that, that we would need to talk about. I would love to hear what Arden has to say about this. I just I can see the wheels turning over there. Uh, I just I I appreciate okay. that you understand what a, a PBHE is, and that you can acknowledge that even when you were seeing your loved ones, that that's more likely what it was. I find it fascinating that you are more convinced that, hold on a second, I find, I, Hang I'm, on, try, I'm trying to get into what you think. Uh, I, I want to know why, when it's with your personal relationships, you understand that it's maybe like a, a, a psychological thing happening, but when it's these carpenter ghosts that you have no relationship to, why suddenly you think it's a supernatural thing going on? What, why do you think there's a difference there? I don't understand. No, I do not believe in the supernatural. If anything happens, it's natural. We just don't. We just don't have an explanation for it. I'm asking you if you if you can if you have any idea why or how this might have happened. Yeah, I think so. Like, I, even in the instances where you said out of the corner of your eye, you thought you saw a loved one after they passed away. I, I would even be careful about jumping to calling that a PBHE. Like, uh, we like humans, especially when it comes to like our visual processing, we fill in so much of the details after the fact. A lot of what you are seeing and gathering, your brain is piecing together. If there's a change of light or a movement or like an insect that's maybe like a little closer than you realize flying by your peripheral vision, your brain can pick that up and fill in so many details that aren't actually there. So 
Yeah. Like, I, if you saw these carpenter ghosts, like, I believe that you think you saw something and that your best explanation for it was these ghosts who constructed these houses or whatever. Um, but I, I don't see why you are convinced that they were ghosts and specifically ghosts who built the house you were in. Like, these are leaps that I like. don't understand how you can fill in. Oh, well, the first one, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, woman who owned the uh, youth hostel sent, sh showed me a picture later of her late husband, and that was the guy, that was what oh. I saw. I don't remember seeing that picture before See, I heard about it. Mulder, that makes me even more concerned. If you, yeah. if you didn't identify that it was the person who constructed the house until you saw a picture after the fact, like, not only is our visual processing, like inherently flawed but our memories are actively reconstructed if you saw a picture and then you went hey that kind of looks like that thing i saw out of the corner of my eye one time in a like a basement of a place that i, I would be far more convinced that you uh like misattributed the yeah. characteristics of that thing you thought you saw to the person in the picture than that there was actually a connection there i would i would urge you to look at at the the sort of impressionability that, that people have with looking at um, like police lineups, if they've been primed in any way to pick a certain person out of the lineup, um, how it can completely mess up some poor dude's life who's just standing there, you know? Um, yeah, our brains are weird, man. That's that's kind of, uh, <laughs> as many leading scientists have said. It wasn't a basement, it was a uh, concrete terrace that like, built on the-, the okay. No, no offense, but that detail is kind of irrelevant to whether or not there was actually a a, a, a ghost. Actually, I was once mistaken for a uh, for a uh, a uh, biker that the police were looking for, but I managed to I managed to come up with an alibi on the spot and got out of uh, got out of having any problems with that. Um, uh, which which you'd be interested uh, I actually I'm in a I'm a minister in the Church of Universal Light and I performed a couple of secular marriage ceremonies would you like to hear exactly how I how I uh, what I said um, that to me sounds like something maybe you could share on like the discord after the fact I think right now I'm far more interested in the fact that you believe you saw ghosts but um yeah, I don't know, Kenneth. Where, where are you I mean, feeling about this? Do Do you believe that you saw ghosts, or or do you think that it, you know, it's just some unexplained phenomena where your brain, you know, showed you something? Yeah, exactly. I don't. Uh, uh, I don't believe in like the standard viewpoint of uh, of uh, ghosts. Being as I uh, run my life by maybe logic, I don't. Uh, I don't assign a hundred percent. Uh, yes, yes, no to uh, to anything. I just think that I'd say I'd say about seeing ghosts. I'd, I'd give it like a fifty uh, percent probability. That's Maybe. a really high probability. Yeah, that's, that's super high. If, if you're living logically <laughs> and you saw something and you think like, oh, it could be a ghost, it could not. Wouldn't the better thing to do to say like, until I can be sure that it was a ghost or a spirit, it's probably not reasonable to believe in that. And until such time, I should probably believe that it was pareidolia or it was like a PBHE or something along those lines, something that we know happens that isn't effective, like our human brain's like flawed processing of visual stimuli. <laughs> Well, I find the uh, I find the the uh, universe more interesting if I uh, entertain the possibility that there's something. But, going 
But Mildred, finding the universe interesting if something happens and whether or not it actually is the case are two very different things. I find the universe more interesting if I could turn into a dragon and fly, but that doesn't mean I have reason to believe that maybe I could. That'd be tight. Yeah. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be awesome. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I understand that. One of these days, I, I was going to call into your uh, transatlantic show about uh, about being a furry, but I might do I might. <laughs> That. Hey! But, yeah, basically, yeah. Go for it, man. I'd love, to, I'd love to be able to turn into a turn into a uh, anthropomorphic animal, but I don't expect it to happen, and I don't expect right. I don't expect that ghosts are real. I'm just saying that the more interesting if I say, you know, I just, uh, everything. Uh, see, I, I'm going to call in one of these days about the, the logic that people talk about that the, that there's no uh, that there's no middle. That things either are or aren't, because I I suspect that I suspect that there's uh, there's a gray area. Nothing is black and white. There's always a there's a gray area between everything. But that's just uh, not true. You might not yeah. have a, a certainty of what things are, but they definitely, absolutely are or are not. It is either true or not true that everything has a gray area. Oh Jesus, Kenneth. This is true. Yeah, like I. Uh, I like to say that the only absolute is that there are no absolutes, and I'm I'm not absolutely sure about that. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah I would look at uh, look at some logic stuff uh, before making that call. But uh, Muldred, your call has been one of my favorites today by far. I hope you have a great rest of your weekend, and uh, and yeah, call back. Okay, live long and prosper. Hey, thank you, sir. Right on. <laughs> I, I think that like the, the, the big message for today is, is, is that, yes, that just because you might want to turn into a big anthropomorphic furry animal doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I had a roommate who, who uh, we're still good friends. And since then, I know that they've become more skeptical because I pushed them to watch shows like this. But they used to say that they, they believed in ghosts. And I was like, why? And yeah. they're like, oh, well, it's just, it's just more interesting to me to think about that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, but that's why you like write a book. You write a, that's a, a fiction book to like live in that fantasy for a little bit, but then come back to the real world where we acknowledge that like that would be interesting, but we don't actually have evidence to believe that. Yeah, no, I I, I saw a thing this week that, about how when the president I guess got off his plane for this this summit in Europe, right? That's going on. That a cicada landed on him, and the QAnon people thought that was really something because Q was the seventeenth letter of the alphabet. And the cicadas come around every seventeen years, therefore. Some weird shit's going on. And I understand the allure of thinking, I mean, yeah, life would be much more interesting <laughs> if if there was a bunch of crazy stuff going on. Um, but I think it's interesting enough as is, you know? I think the world is so fascinating as it is. Like, man, have you ever sat out and looked at a night sky and look at like the stars and shit? That's incredible and beautiful. Yeah. And there's you don't need ghosts or magic or anything to appreciate how beautiful that is. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, yeah. on that note, let me reiterate, there are ways you can support Talk Heathen. If you're watching, if you're listening, you can become a member. If you're listening, it's going to be harder. But if you're watching, you can click the join button below the video. Uh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash talkheathen to me. Go check out our channel where you can get all of the ACA shows as audio podcast forms. If you don't want to look at us, visit tiny.cc slash AEN podcasts. Go become part of the Talk Heathen community in our fan run Facebook page at facebook.com slash groups slash talk heathen fg there's a lot of great people on there um so be sure to check that out and if you want to keep talking to us 
Join us over in ACD, our fan run Discord server at tiny.cc slash ACA Discord. We're going to be there uh, right after this. Um, and be sure to stick around for the nonprofits, which is going to be on at three. So can we can we get our crew cam? Can we show the beautiful yes, go crew. people, the fantastic, amazing people who actually make all this happen? We've got the crew cat. Go crew. We've got everybody waving and smiling. I mean, yeah, I love every single person <laughs> in that in that image. This is wonderful. Um, thank you, crew. Uh, and to our viewers, thank you. Uh, whether or not you believe, um, it's okay. If you if you don't believe, this is your community. We're here for you, and we're, we're really happy that you're here. Um, I, I can't thank you enough for, for tuning in. Um, on the other hand, if you do believe, we don't hate you. We're just not convinced.